Hello, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. I am your host, Donna O. I wanted to create a podcast that would allow us to see the world through new and different perspectives by having sometimes difficult and challenging conversations by talking about race, gender, lifestyle, health, relationships, and spirituality. If you're ready to begin a journey that will push you to open your heart and push you to change your mind, then please join me on Moving Through and With Heart. And while you're here, enjoy the music written, composed, and performed by Ivan G. Hall. Hello, everyone. I am so grateful for the conversation that you are about to hear. My dear friend Jennifer has been struggling with obesity and she agreed to share her story, her challenges, as well as her triumphs with weight. I have to tell you that Jennifer is one of the most compassionate and kind people that I have ever known. She is always a spring of positivity and has a great capacity for seeing the world half full instead of empty. As with all stories of the people that share on this podcast, please listen with compassion and without judgment. This is about learning and opening up so that we can understand someone else from a different perspective. I admire how positive Jennifer is about life and how she offers us solutions, even when it might be difficult. I hope that you enjoy this story of resilience and love of oneself. Great. It's so good to see your face. It's you been look like, good too. I know. Thank you forever. It's so I good know. to see you. I know. It's good to see you too. How are you doing today? I'm good. It's nice out. I have the window open, you know, Southern California. Is it sunny? It's because it's it not is. here. Mm-hmm. It's sunny. Yeah. We have, um, they're expecting snow here. So it's been raining on and off. Boo. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants snow. So I want to say I am so excited to have you here. And thank you so much for willing to be on um, the podcast to talk about um, obesity and weight and things like that, because I think it's so important for people. For for one, I'm all about having difficult conversations. And I think it's so important to create a space that we can do that. And the way people learn quite often is through other people's story. And so I really like to kind of like plant seeds to help people start seeing things differently and think about things differently. And having people share their stories, I think really helps with that. Um, because it gives us, we don't know, we don't know, and it only, it gives us a different mindset. So thank you so much, Jen, for willing to be here to do this with me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. And, you know, if I can help one person, hey, that's, uh, that's all, that's the goal, right? I mean, if one person can be inspired, uh, I mean, that's how I kind of got started. I was inspired. So I think if I can just inspire one person to live a little bit better, that's just really the goal. And I, I would say you and I, I have been good friends for only a short period of time, but I feel like I've known you forever. So, you know, it's so great to talk to you and see your face and connect to you on this um, subject. So um, I thought that we could start off where you could share a little bit about you and your story, just a little bit about you and who you are so that people know. Yeah, sure. So obviously my name is Jennifer. 
uh, yeah, like I said, I know I've known you for actually it's going to come. It's coming up on three years now. Oh, OK. Yeah. Wow. I, was just, I was doing the math and I said, oh, wow, because it was 2018 is what okay. I met you. Okay. So it's coming up on three years. So it's still short, short time. And, and uh, like you, I do feel like we've known each other forever. Right. But, which, is, which is great. You know, like mm -hmm. people come to your life for reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so I grew up, you know, Northeast. I grew up in New Jersey most of my life. My parents were two blue collar workers. So, and then I've been out here in California going on 11 years now. Wow. So yeah, I know. Uh, so I have a steady job and so that's all good. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much just my, you know, my, my life, simple, right. small family. So what began you on this journey and what made you want to share your story around weight and obesity? I thought you could share a little bit about that so that people that were listening know where you started and a little bit about your journey. So we can really get to where you are right now. Oh, sure. Okay. So, um, you know, as a child, I was never an overweight child. And I know that's probably hard to believe if, you know, people were just to like, look at me firsthand, <clears throat> but I was always super active. My parents had me in sports. I played basketball from like the age of five until I was in high school, all the way through high school, even recreation. You know, I did all that stuff. I played on two leagues. I mean, I would go to school, I would play basketball and then I would come home. And I mean, it was just a long day every day. I did it all year long, even when the season wasn't in, you know, session, I would we would play in rec leagues and the boys and girls club, you know, because back then kids weren't as, we weren't as so like game focused. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, we'd actually go outside. So I spent most of my childhood with friends playing outside, being very, very active. I'd probably say I started living a little bit unhealthy, probably toward the end of like college years, like in my adulthood, just because I think maybe, I think, I think there's no real health culture in the United States, to be perfectly honest. I think the portions are really, uh, you know, big and, and all that kind of things that things that go with it. Like food is just such a center focus of who we are. You know, there's food everywhere, right? There's like a fast food um, thing on every block. And when you're poor and you don't have a lot of money and you're just kind of starting out, what's the easiest thing to do, right? Just go to like McDonald's or Taco Bell and get like a, you can get a whole meal for $5 as opposed to going to like the grocery store and buying you know, $200 worth of groceries. So I think that's probably where slowly it started. And then in my late 20s, and I'd say, yeah, my late 20s, early 30s, when I moved out to California, ironically enough, is probably where my health declines the most. And I think most, if I really dig deep, it's probably due to isolation and not being around anybody and just not having like a good support system. So that's kind of where it has, you know, it kind of has gone. And in the last year, I'd say um, I sort of had like an epiphany that I just realized, honestly, I remember the day to the day it was, it's been almost a year now. So it was, it was June 8th, 2020. I know that's not that far, but you know, that's, that's the day that was my epiphany, June 8th. And I remember that day because I said to myself, I just don't want to like live this way anymore. I don't want like 10 years from now being super reliant on the healthcare system and being going to doctors and taking all this medication. And so 
I ate like three Twinkies that night. And I said, this is the last time I'm ever going to eat a Twinkie ever again. And so June 9th was like the start of my, you know, journey, if you will. So we're almost coming up on a year. We're not quite there yet, but I've lost like 60 pounds and, and I've just tried to transform myself little by little. And I've really done it from the inside out because I really, and you are one of the people that have helped me you know, believe it or not, because I really had to change um, my mental thinking of, of like how my relationship with food is and, and through podcasts and really soul searching just little by little, I just started to eat a little bit better. Um, and I didn't do anything crazy. Like I didn't go on this crazy exercise kick. I just changed the way I thought and changed my life a little. And so, yeah, so that's, I mean, in a nutshell, so it's kind of what what's going on right now. So I want to be able to put things a little perspective. So you have 60, you lost 60 pounds and oh my God, congratulations, Jen, because I can't even imagine like how um, much work that took and discipline. So, and I know that you were working toward it. So I want to really congratulate you um, and celebrate that you were able to do that. How much more weight do you think you need to lose? I just wanted the audience to kind of get a perspective of where you are in your weight journey. Oh yeah, I, I can be totally transparent with that. So okay. when I started, I was over 300 pounds Okay, and <clears throat> I was like about 310-ish. So now I'm about 240. Okay. And so I, I, you know, the doctors, here's the thing. So the doctor, the, my doctor would tell you, okay, I need to be like 150, but that's- Because you're tall too. Because the other yeah, thing, so how tall are you? I'm, I'm about 5'8". Okay. So for me to feel, I think of my- personal best. I think 175 to 185 is something that I would feel comfortable. I mean, honestly, right now I'm just trying to break the 200 mark. So if I can get to 200 pounds, that's an additional 40 pounds. That would be a hundred pounds. That's a huge, like, yeah, that's, that's a huge difference. That's, a, that's yeah. a lot of weight. Right. Yeah. And even, even 60 pounds, even 10 pounds. I mean, if you right. think of what 10 pounds is, right. you don't realize how much pressure that is on your knees and on your, just on your heart and all that right. stuff. Right. So I think I just try to take it little by little, but yeah, 175 in another year is my, is my goal. I think 175 is the number that I could live with, uh, for the rest of my life. And, and, you know, I mean, I know the doctors would say 150, but listen, I, 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 I right. just, that's a little too thin for my body frame. I'm broad. I have, you know, I, I just, I, I was never, even at my most fit, I was always about 165, 168. So I think 150 is, is pushing it because, you know, that's, if you go to the, if you go to the doctor's offices, they have those little like charts, but I don't know, you know, my, my one doctor with my gynecologist would tell you that's probably a little too off the, the, like, don't, you know, don't, don't get too focused on the number, just get focused on getting healthier. I just love how Jennifer has come up with a weight goal that is going to make her feel good in her own body. One that works for her instead of a weight goal that is dictated to her by society or social media or even by doctors. I think this is so vitally important. What is going to make you feel good in your body for you, not for somebody else? What makes you feel good when you move, when you put on clothing, when you look at yourself? Is it something that you've been told that you need to look like or feel like or something that really works for you? Right. I would say a lot of my friend and I were talking earlier about these BMI 
charts and if they're really accurate, first of all, for all ethnicities um, and then for all ages, like really what is really considered healthy because all bodies are really shaped differently and move differently or are meant to carry different types of weight. And clearly not every person is supposed to be, you know, like, you know, that's why they're changing Barbie. Like not everyone's supposed to look like that. Um, nobody yeah. in my, in my day was Miss Twiggy, you know, being Twiggy, you know, like not everyone is supposed to be super thin. Like everyone has a different body shape and weight. And so it's like, really like, what is, I think it's interesting thinking about what is the weight that would actually, we'd feel comfortable in that doesn't need to match what we see externally as the perfect body, right? Like what is comfortable for us? And then really looking at what is considered healthy. Like how often are we going to the doctor? Are we checking our blood pressure? Are we, you know, doing blood tests? Like really checking to our, our cholesterol levels, really checking our overall health completely. You know, even what you said about the fast food restaurants, like what kind of standards do we really have around healthy eating, especially in this country when there's so many different types of diets that people need to adhere to, but what's really, one diet might be healthy for one person, but may not be healthy for another. And I really believe the same thing goes for even weight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. And I also think uh, geographically has, you know, where you are in the country has a huge, like, I mean, huge unprecedented amount of weight on the fact that you know what how do you have access to real food do you have right or do you only right. have access I mean I watched a documentary the other day about you know specific neighborhoods and food deserts and it's really oh, sad yes, it's, it's, it's really it's shameful yep. and food I mean and even, in, even in California too it's not just like yeah California is has its own issues but there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of fast food restaurants here there's a lot of unhealthy living here it's everywhere so you just have to choose and that's like the hardest thing because it's expensive to live here and so to have to go to like Trader Joe's or um, you know other other uh, luxury food places it can get really expensive so you know I think that the I think food Food should be a human right. It shouldn't be a privilege. But the problem right. is, I think a lot of times it is a privilege and access to like healthy food should be everybody's basic like right. And I think that it's not. And I think that's a part of the problem here. Yeah, I would say, you know, especially even with quarantine now, everything's about Grubhub and um, Instacart and all of these um, deliveries, right? Like eating, having food delivered to you versus how can we begin to buy food and, and cook more and then cook healthy meals so that we're actually eating fresh food versus something that was made in a restaurant. Like that makes a big difference because a lot of times those foods have a lot of salt, which, you know, salt creates a lot of weight too, right? So mm-hmm. even in places like McDonald's, they say the additives they put in the food makes you crave more of these um, fast foods more and more and more, but you're not actually getting the nutrients that you need to really make your body healthy. So it's right. a, yeah, it's, exactly. it's like a big cycle, right? I want to get back to something you were saying when you began, you were talking about your journey with weight 
you shared um, isolation and during your adult years, there's anything that happened that caused that isolation. I would think, especially moving to a place like California, it's so beautiful. We think sunshine, we think getting outside and socializing with people. Um, but you said you moved to California and it was a bit isolating. Was there anything that happened in your life during that time that you feel that created those isolations that caused, put you in that tailspin of changing your diet that you ended up eating unhealthy? You know, I think I was still in my twenties. I think I was trying to find myself. My father had just died. And so I was going through that and my mom and I had a weird, you know, relationship and we, you know, I think there was a lot of resentment on her part. At least that's how I felt. There was a lot of resentment for me leaving to California. You know, I, I got told a lot, like, this is your choice. You have to deal with it. Like, so <clears throat> I think there was a lot of that and it was a lot of like, well, I'm going to prove I'm going to stay here. I'm going to prove everybody wrong that I can make it. And <clears throat> so it was just a lot of, um, you know, self-inflicting. I was just using food as a way to like heal my scars of being sad and being alone. And yeah, California is a beautiful place on the outside, but there's, you know, people are isolated, even in the most beautiful places. And I think people out here, this is definitely a melting pot. I meet a lot of people now um, from different parts of the country. But back then, I didn't really meet a lot of people that were willing to open up. And you know how it is when you're in your adult years, it's more difficult to meet friends that are substantial and that are going to be a part of your life when except when you know when you're in your 20s you're like oh I'm just going to meet anybody and it's fine but when you're in your 30s or late 20s early 30s I think it's more it becomes more difficult to meet people of substance and so I think that's what was happening I didn't really know anybody I literally did not know one person in the entire state so I was just at home on the internet bored I mean I just I, I was filling my life with food bad relationships. So food and bad men, right? <laughs> Two bad yeah, things. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I, I would admit, and I don't want to say anything bad about the men of my past, but they definitely contributed. I mean, I let that contribute to my bad eating habits and a lot of eating out. And, and, and also I didn't really cook a lot because I didn't live in a place. I always rented a room or I, I lived in someone else's house and I felt uncomfortable using their kitchen just until recently where now, you know, I still have one roommate, but it's more of our place together. And this is like a different situation. So right. I, you know, now I cook every day, but back then I, I never did. I was always afraid of using somebody's kitchen or afraid of using their pot or just, you know, it was just always like I was just renting a room. I wasn't really living there. Nothing in, you would never even know that I lived in some of these places because I had nothing anywhere. It was just in right. my, wow. So it's a lot of, you know, late night trips to Taco Bell, eating in your room with your TV and that can downward spiral bad. So would you say it was like a lot of emotional eating, like, oh, like the food became your friend, right? Yeah. I had no, I had no friends. Yeah. I was, you know, by myself, I was with these bad men who weren't good for me. And so I just had nobody to talk to. So I would just be on the internet, like, you know, back then when we had chat rooms or I'd be in a chat room or I would just be like talking to my internet friends, like eating Taco Bell, literally on my computer at like 10 o'clock yeah. at night. And sadness plays into it because it sounds like you were um, also depressed at the time. Do you think oh, yeah. you were? You think you were aware at that time that you were depressed, or you were just covering it up with food? I think that I was. I would think I was in denial 
because like I would still like <laughs> I'd go to the gym and then I'd go to Taco Bell after or I'm just using Taco mm-hmm. Bell as a uh, whatever fast food restaurant right just using that as a air quotes restaurant but I would yeah I would go to the gym and I'd work out for like two hours and I'd do Zumba and all this stuff and then I'd go to like McDonald's and it was just like self-sabotage right you can't right. do that it just doesn't right. make sense you just just you just killed like and also you know speaking to other people uh, now there I I do think that there is the culture here I mean the way I grew up like we always had food in the house and I don't want to blame like my parents or anything because nobody forced me to eat anything right like they always cooked and stuff but you know like Sundays would be a lot of like bagels and cream cheese and it would just be a lot of that type of bread and carbs and you know, I grew up in a half Italian American household and it was just a lot of carbs and pasta and meat. And so I think, I, I think that that definitely attributed to like, and I also think that like, like I said earlier, the American culture, like we don't have a food culture. It's just like, we just kind of take everybody else's food. Like what's our culture burgers and, and processed yellow cheese. Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah. So in some respects, even though you may were you may were eating, grew up eating food from home, you weren't necessarily taught what healthy eating is or how to combine your food in a way to give yourself or your body the nutrients it needs and healthy and what is maybe eating all of this combination of food may taste good, but it's not necessarily good for you and will add pounds, right? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. And I don't, you know, my parents weren't really overweight. My mom a little bit, but not, you know, not extreme obesity or anything. And so, but on my father's side, they definitely struggled with obesity and drugs and alcohol and things like that. So I never got into the drugs and alcohol, thankfully, but I used food as my drug, right? So Right. And I so, also think you're pre-genetically dispositioned as well. That's right. my opinion. When I was a kid, we talked a lot about healthy eating and exercise in school and even at home with my family. Even though I hated gym class, I can now see how valuable it was. My parents were also very health conscious. We stopped eating beef and pork when I was quite young. My mother always cooked and I was introduced to a cornucopia of so many types of vegetables. Since then, schools no longer focus on eating healthy and many no longer stress exercise or have gym. Although I do not agree with many of the nutritional guidelines put out by the USDA, they do at least stress having a certain amount of protein and fresh fruits and vegetables. If we are no longer teaching healthy eating, nutrition, diet, and exercise in schools, then unless we are doing it on our own, how are we learning how to be healthy? So what made you, at what point did you become aware of your relationship with food? Do you think that of being unhealthy? Probably actually when I was living in North Carolina for like the year that I was there, um, I, I noticed the way you ate and how it was so good. And, and I'm not saying that I, you know, even to this day, I don't eat the same things you do, but I noticed the way you ate and how you'd always bring your lunch and how you'd always you know, for the most part, like nobody's perfect. Right. But I noticed that. And I noticed how unhealthy, like North Carolinians, oh, please don't kill me if people are listening, uh, how the South eats in general, just uh, as a whole. And, and I, I noticed how unhealthy it was. And I noticed how easy it was for me to slip 
slip even deeper. And I was mm. like literally working and eating. Um, I can't even remember the restaurant, but I was eating like at this one place, like almost every day. And I said to myself, this is, this is like, not okay. Like I can't, I can't do this. And I noticed like my uniform was like really tight and I was just uncomfortable and my feet were always hurting. And I'm like, this is not normal. My so you started getting, so you started gaining more weight for the year and a half that you lived in North Carolina. I gained, I definitely gained more weight. I, I mean, I don't know pound for pound, but <clears throat> if I had to make, uh, like, I would probably say I gained at least twenty five pounds while I was there because yeah. I was even more isolated. Right here, I am in another new state, don't know anybody. Luckily, I had met you, and right. I met, <clears throat> you know, some a couple other people, and and the people I did meet weren't a good influence. Like, right, you don't surround yourself with good influences that's not good either and that's a big deal I think that's for anything like it's like surround yourself with the people of where you want to go in your life versus surround yourself with people where you don't because otherwise you'll never make that shift because we become the people the crowd that we're with we become the environment with it that's why there's that um, term birds of a feather flock together so Mm -hmm. even if you don't have those same belief systems, you eventually start to take on some of those belief systems because that is what you're around all the time. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I was, I'm, I try to surround myself with people that are better than me, smarter than me, have more going than I am. So I can, I have something to aspire to. And I think when I was in North Carolina, honestly, aside from you, the other people that were, I was around weren't lifting me up. It was like we were in this darkness of depression together. Right. So what happened that made you aware that it was time for you to change? And what made you say yes? I think um, this year, I, this to be super personal, but that's okay. This year during quarantine, my roommate and I were speaking about, you know, life and weight and stuff like this. And she introduced me to this lady that she, um, she knew from one of her peer groups and I was researching her and she's a fitness guru. And I was like, oh, here we go. Another skinny fitness guru that, you know, is going to tell me how to lose weight. And I went to the doctor and I wanted to get weight loss surgery. And the doc, my doctor is a relatively younger woman. She's in her late forties, early fifties. And she said, she looked me in the eye and she said, you are 36 years old. Are you sure you want to go down this road? You don't want to try. You don't want to try a little harder. She's like, I'm all for whatever makes you happy and whatever you think, but you are 36. We are not 50. You're 36. And she kept saying that to me and she was looking at me and this woman was looking at me. She's like, you could do this. If you want my help, you can do this. I set you up with a nutritionist. Like you can do this. I don't think surgery was the answer for you, Jen. That's what she said. She said, once you go down that surgery road, you can never go back. Your life so wait, so you're, never changed. So your doctor, this is still your doctor talking or the woman that's a fitness guru. Talking? No, this is my doctor. speaking. Okay. Still talking. Okay. Yeah. So she was telling me, you know, she was, she gave me all the information I wanted and she, she found a, a weight loss doctor for me and I did all the research and, and I said, no, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. This was probably last, I would say November of 2019, October, November of 2019. I said, no, I want to do this. I want to do this. So, and, and my mom, I even had her on board. She was like, I'll help you pay for it. Whatever, whatever. I called the weight loss surgeon and we were going over this and, you know, he was like, you're going to have to lose like 50 pounds. They have to show that you have to do a psych evaluation and all this stuff. 
And then I went back to my doctor again and I had, I think I lost like five or six pounds. And she goes, you lost five pounds on your own. You don't think you can keep losing five pounds a little, a little bit at a time. And then I thought about it and I thought about all of the side effects of this surgery of how I was going to have to live my life on medication and not be able to ever eat a slice of pizza ever again, or just, I'd always have to be restrictive, right? Food would control my life, Donna, control my life. And I did, and I felt like food controlled my life now and I wanted to take back control. So by having this surgery, I was going to allow the surgery and food to control my life again. So I said, no, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it the whole hard way. So what surgery is this? Like what uh, surgery is this that they were wanting to Um, do? I was looking into the gastric sleeve. Okay. And basically what they do is they cut your stomach and they put like a sleeve in there. Right. Yeah. You lose quite a lot of weight, but, but by that, since you're not getting the, the nutrients, like food or food is nutrition, right? Food is, food is fuel. You, a lot of times people lose their hair, their nails get brittle, their skin gets gone. Oh. There's so many. There's wow. So many. Really? Yeah. And nobody talks about this, but if you research it, it's, I mean, the doctor literally said to me, this is what's going to happen to you. Your hair might fall out. I'm like, what do you mean? My hair might fall out I'm in my thirties. And she's like, yeah, but you're only going to be eating like 200 calories a day. Like what, what are you, you're going to have to take vitamins for the rest of your life. You're going to have to take medication for the rest of your life. So the gastric sleeve actually starts cutting off how many nutrients the body can absorb. Is that mm-hmm. what you're saying? So you have to get wow. them in a different way. Wow. Mm-hmm. You wow. have to be careful how much water you drink. You can't drink cold water because you could flood your, there's just so many, there's so many adverse and I, I'm not against surgery. Like I want to let everybody know, like I'm all for, if this is what makes you happy. I just thought to myself, I don't want food. Like this would just be another way of food of controlling my life. Right. Of course. Because then now you're, now you're restricted for another reason. Forever, forever. Right, 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 right. And wow. I, I know family members that have gotten it done and I know, and, and I, I, I know a family member currently who's thinking about doing it. And I, you know, I said to this family member, I, you got to be careful. Like you have to know the risks. Like if this is life or death, okay, fine. But we're in our thirties. Like that's what the doctor kept reiterating to me. Like she had said, if this was 20 years from now, I would have a different tone, but you are in your thirties. She just kept saying that sentence. And I said to her, I said to myself, oh my God, she's right. So it just, so it just clicked finally. You're like, wait a second. I am in my thirties what am I doing? I can do, I can take charge of my life and just work towards getting rid of the weight on my own. Yes. And it might take three, you know, two, three years, four years, but I will be doing it the right way, the slow way, probably will never come back on again. And yeah, it won't happen in six months, but you know, by the time I'm in my mid forties, I'll be going to the doctor just for routine checkups, not to be like, can you re- re- redo my blood pressure medicine? Can you, you know, put me on cholesterol medicine? And I'm, yeah. I'm really lucky. She did my blood work and she said, you're lucky. You don't have pre-diabetes. You don't have any issues. But if you keep going down this path in 10 years, you're going to be on all this medication. Yeah, I think that's so um, interesting and important to point out, doing it the right way, doing it the slow way, because I think so much in our society has us on a track for so many things about the fast track, getting stuff done quickly and not having patience and working through stuff. To me, that's like really taking a moment to care for yourself and be gentle and loving with yourself that you're giving yourself the time and space to make it happen versus trying to push through it and rush through it. You're like, 
it's like making that choice to really love yourself in every moment and daily because you're willing to, to take it slow and accept the fact it's going to take time, which I think is a really big deal. I had a teacher once, his name was Jim Self, that loved to say, the slower you go, the faster you will arrive. This can be a very challenging way to follow, but in my experience, it's quite often is the best and only way to go. It is the same with weight loss. It is the same with getting healthier. It is the same with trying to create a better, healthier lifestyle for us ourselves. If we go fast, quite often we're not able to sustain it. But if we have patience and endurance and go slowly, the reward and payoff is so much greater. Yes, I agree. And it's really hard. It's definitely the hard uh, road. But I don't want to say it's the right or wrong way. It's just the right way for me. Right, got it. I, I know surgery works. I've seen the success stories and I right. think that it works and it's amazing that they could do things. Like it's amazing what they can do. But right. having had different surgeries for other stuff, I know what recovery is like and it's not fun. And I just don't, I mean, this would be an elective surgery. Right. <laughs> so I don't want to have any more surgeries that I, that I can avoid. Well, I love the fact that you just consistently point out that it, how you feel and really say it's about you and your truth versus, because we're, this conversation is not about telling somebody else how to live their life. This conversation is really about your life and hoping people can learn something from hearing your story. So I appreciate you really owning that fully, that this is your truth and your life and you're making decisions that are best for you. And just because they're working doesn't mean you're out here now telling everybody else how to live and what to do for theirs. Yeah, and I, I think I wanna point out that that's something that I really don't like as well. And, and, I, and I also think judgment goes both ways. I do think a lot of overweight people judge thin people too. And I don't think that that's okay too. Like, like I had said, when I found this fitness guru, I said to myself, the first thing I said was, Oh, here's another skinny fitness guru. But when I saw her story and how she, you know, she was struggling in her own right too. And we all have struggles. I, you know, you can find something relatable in a lot of people. And I think the, the judgment goes both ways. Now, do I think that more thinner people judge overweight people? I think yes, but I do think it goes both ways and I think it's not okay either way. Yeah, that's very true. So what has been the most challenging about losing the weight for you? Because you've lost quite a bit and what has been the most challenging part of it for you? Uh, the holidays were kind of hard just because there's an influx of food everywhere and food still, food's a powerful thing. I still, mm -hmm. I'm still working on my relationship with food. I don't think it'll ever, it's like an addict, right? Like I'm always mm -hmm. an addict. And so I have to just recognize that. But I think now I have trained my brain where, okay, I'm allowed to have one cookie and not feel bad. I won't have a whole box, but I can have one and I'm not going to gain 60 pounds back. And I think that's what I was kind of struggling with. Like, am I going to have, am I going to eat one bad thing and gain all this weight back that it took me mm. six, seven months to lose? Like, mm. so I think that's the hardest thing for me. And just to keep going, because I've definitely hit a little bit of a plateau. Um, but now the weather is starting to turn. So I have been, I've been incorporating some exercise now before I didn't exercise at all, like nothing. And I just lost weight by changing my eating habits. Now I got to incorporate some exercise so I can continue on to lose the extra 50 pounds that I 
that I, that I want. Yeah. I think we all tend, I mean, I know I do that, you know, get on different food regimens and then beat myself up for having a little bit of something, but I think the holidays automatically brings back so many different childhood memories and memories in our lifetime of, and we need that soothing, right? In so Mm -hmm. many ways we look to the food. I mean, I grew up in a house where my mom is a huge baker, like to go around my mom. She didn't do it this, this year. She wasn't able to do as much baking this year, but she's always like starts like three, four weeks in advance of Christmas baking like crazy. (laughs) So then it, you know, to go there and not want to have some of my mother's baking was like where I draw the line. I'm like, I cannot like not have any. So it's like, I might have a small slice of cake versus like, you know, years and years ago, I would have had a bigger piece, but like to have a small piece and then not go back for more, but that, but at least I got that taste, right? At least I satisfied my own taste buds with eating something that feels good to me and feels like a big hug, you know, it's comforting. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's what was the biggest challenge for me. But also the challenge is, uh, I, I, you know, I really want to tap into this because I think it's important, is that there is definitely for me at least, and this is definitely a trigger. The trigger for me on social media is the line between body positivity and unhealthy living. I got to be honest. And I, I'm, I apologize if in advance if I offend anyone, but I, I think it's great to be you know, cause I'm learning to love my body little by little, and I'm learning to surround myself with people who encourage me, not tear me down. And that is a challenge in itself. But when I think we're promoting unhealthy living, I, I just have an issue with it, you know, and I think it's great to be all inclusive, but why are we saying to young girls that it's okay to be 400 pounds? Cause that's not okay. It's not okay on your heart. It's not okay on your joints. It's not a sustainable living long-term. Right. I agree with that. I've noticed even in my own body, as I've gotten older, if I have a certain amount of weight on me where I can start to feel things in my, my knees and my joints, just because my body should not have that much weight, but eventually, you know, you might be okay at 20 being 400 pounds. Um, but when you hit 50, I will tell you, first of all, once you cross that line of like menopause in your life, everything in your entire system as a woman changes. And I'm sure somewhere they haven't maybe marked it as a certain point hormonally for men, like women have something called menopause. Men have their own version of that, even though it doesn't have a a name for it, but your body changes so much at that stage of your life that there's no way you can sustain 400 pounds and be a healthy, happy individual. I mean, it's just, it's just not, in fact, would you share some of what you notice as far as your emotional and mental state and changing in food? Because I know you shared it with me and I think chemically something happens in our bodies when we start to remove those foods and start eating healthier. What have you noticed for yourself? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I have changed my I, I think taking, so what I did was basically I unprocessed my diet completely and I was super strict. I, now I've incorporated some small little things, um, but I've, I unprocessed it completely. And so I didn't do any fast food, nothing prepackaged from the grocery store, nothing that I did not know the ingredients myself. So, and I eliminated all sugar, like 
nothing. The only thing that I did was a teaspoon of agave in my coffee. So I didn't do any, like nothing. I didn't do um, dairy. I didn't do anything. No, no milk rather. So, and I didn't do any like yellow cheese or anything like that. So I did a lot of greens. And with that, the first week I had a headache every single day. <laughs> Once I got over that first seven days, then my brain started to, um, I noticed that I started sleeping a little bit better, sleeping through the night. I wasn't crashing throughout the day. I started feeling like food was just something to satisfy me because it's fuel for my body, not this like, you know, like this amazing experience, like this almost orgasmic experience, but I know you and I have spoken about this and, and perhaps looking back, maybe it wasn't, maybe food can be an orgasmic experience, but maybe it was the sugar high that I was Mm -hmm. replacing with that euphoric experience, if you will. So I think now I can still, you know, cook um, chicken with some vegetables and have a sweet potato on the side. And it's still like delicious and great. And I love it. And I feel satisfied. And whereas before I would be like, oh, that's not enough food. So I, I also feel that my, my brain, my, my brain has changed where I look at food. I smell food differently. It tastes different to me. The other day, as maybe it was a month ago at this point, somebody had a piece of, um, I forgot, I think it was like Popeye's chicken. And I was like, let me taste a piece of that. And it was disgusting. So, so I think that also my taste buds have changed mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So. What about your emotional, what about emotionally? Do you find that you feel happier or did you go up through any ups and downs while you're doing it emotionally? Um, sometimes I was a little resentful, especially like in the beginning that not everybody had to do this, that I, I did this to myself. Like this is where I was. And I said, how did I let myself get like this? How did I let my life do this? And I was like, this is not fair. Like I can't eat anything, but I started to stop focusing on what I can, couldn't eat and what I could eat because to be honest with you, there was quite, there is quite a lot of food that is good out there quite, uh, despite the contrary belief, it's just that, you know, we see a fast food restaurant in every corner. We like, oh, that's easy and quick. And even in the grocery store, like the frozen food aisle, I mean, that is like the most dangerous aisle. You know, if, if you're going to cook your ingredients, you at least know what's in there. Right. Mm -hmm. Rather than when you get something frozen from the store, it's all preservatives. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes I was a little resentful, but you know, now I, I feel like I'm, I'm not as resentful. I'm not as angry. I feel a little bit more content. I know that when I go to Trader Joe's, I, I make good choices and uh, yeah, that's just, you know, it's, it's an everyday struggle. I'm not going to lie. Like some days I, I have my ups and downs, but they're more ups and downs. So that's, that's a positive. Do you feel that you feel better overall than where you were, let's say a year ago? Oh yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, my knees do not hurt anymore. Uh, you know, I still have some knee issues for other reasons, but they don't, my feet are not swollen after work. I can stand on my feet. I mean, you know what I do for work. I stand on my feet all day long. I'm tired because any job on your feet, no matter who you are, you're tired at the end of the day. (laughs) My body is tired, but you know, I can get a few hours of sleep and I'm good. I sleep through the night. I don't have as many headaches. There's just a lot of other things. My blood pressure has gone down. I still monitor my blood pressure like daily, 
uh, because it was high blood pressure does run in my fam, my mother's side of the family who aren't overweight, but it still runs. Mm -hmm. So being overweight, you know, you got to be careful and I am on medication for it, but I still monitor it daily. I have a blood pressure machine. So that has definitely gone down. Obviously like my BMI went down and all that, you know, all those metrics went down as well. So I think, yeah, I'm just in less pain. I don't have to take as much ibuprofen, which is great. That's awesome. I've recently become a student of Ayurveda, which is an ancient holistic healing modality from India that focuses on diet, lifestyle, and mental, emotional, and physical well-being. It really teaches us what foods we should eat that would give us a great sense of well-being, make us healthier, stronger, and live longer. I have spent years working on diet nutrition, studying different health modalities. I have been a vegan, done the macrobiotic diet, and even raw foodist, and I've tried many different food lifestyles. There's so many chemicals in foods that we eat, and we eat so many processed foods, including tons of sugar and drink tons of coffee. We really do not realize how much foods contribute to overall sense of well-being, including whether or not we feel happy or depressed, or have energy to do the things that we love. Ayurveda considers how food not only affects us physically, but also how it affects the mind and the emotions. It is no wonder that when Jennifer removed certain foods from her diet, she became healthier, happier, had more energy, and slept better. I want to, I want I think that's fantastic. I want to go back to body positivity um, because I think people, a lot of people have so much judgment around weight. Um, I will say that you have, I know that you've shared the emotional, different emotional up and down, but to me, you have always been one of the happiest and kindest and most positive people that I've ever met. Something that I always cherished about you. Um, But a lot of times people think that people that are overweight or obese are miserable. And I want to change that idea for others. What would you say to people that feel that way? I would say that you have to look in, you know, just like anything, you have to look into yourself and miserable is a stretch for me. That word is very, and there might be people that are miserable, but I think that you have to remember that we're all human and just a lot of, and stay off social media, (laughs) definitely stay. If you're struggling with weight, stay off social media, because that can definitely, you can definitely go into a downward spiral, spiral, excuse me, because there's just so many things and there's a lot of people that are very, you know, they think behind, because they're behind a computer that they have the right to tear people down and nobody has the right to tear anybody down, no matter what you're struggling with. And I think, yeah, there is a common misconception because when you think of the word overweight, you think of like, you think of a sloth, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and what's a sloth? He's slow and grumpy and like, you know, lazy. lazy. Right. And that word is just so, it's so negative. And when you think skinny and, and actually the word skinny is, is a negative word too. Skinny is a, uh, people that are fit and thin would actually say skinny is a negative word because when you think skinny, you think gaunt, you think malnourished, you think anorexic. So I think the weight side, the weight conversation goes both ways, but I definitely think um, when you see overweight people, like I, I see it on airplanes all of the time. 
uh, and I haven't traveled lately, obviously, but <laughs> I used to see it on airplanes all the time. You know, people would always look down upon the overweight person. And I understand why, because it's a small space and, and, and all that, but I think people just need to be a little bit more kind toward one another, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a hard ask, right? <laughs> yeah. And should those spaces on the airplane be that skinny? I mean, really America is not that skinny in the first place. I mean, no, I, I you know, even for me, the seats, sometimes I'm like, good grief. I have a little elbow room. You just, I think everyone feels that they're too small. So they don't even make them with, you know, anybody in mind as far as those spaces. So I can exactly. see where, yeah, they're just not, I mean, in fact, I've, I think so many things are made probably so many things if you think about are, are not made for a normal size person in mind, period. So we have this misconceived idea of what a good weight should be. It's like super skinny. You know what I mean? Like there's this, we don't really see the in-between. It's like one extreme or the other is not good, but there's all these different um, size bodies in between that, you know, are healthy size bodies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also think like the, you know, I think the people in power and I also think the weight loss companies, they have a, they have a bigger responsibility than they think. And especially social media influencers, like you don't realize how many young people or how many women, vulnerable women are going on social media every single day, like wanting to change themselves, but they think, okay, if I go on this like fad diet and I starve myself for three weeks, like I'm going to lose. And yeah, you probably will lose 20, 30 pounds, but here's the thing. Like that's not a sustainable way of living. And yeah, if you want to, you know, do all this, all this, like this fad dieting, like air frying and, and using fat-free ketchup and fat-free this and fat-free that. But yeah, all you're doing is putting chemicals into your body, right? So I just think the cavemen may have had it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, they it's just different. I think that there's just so much influence out there. And I think that's the problem. I think that's a huge problem. There's way too many influencers. There's too many people saying like, oh, this is what you should do. This is the best way to do it. This is the best. This is the best. And I also think that like on social media, when people start making negative comments, the first thing they do is talk about somebody's weight. And I don't understand where that comes from. Where do you think that comes from? Well, I think it's been around for a while. I was going to say, you know, it's play devil advocate. I remember, I don't remember years ago, Dove did a commercial on um, body positivity oh, and yes, showed yes, yes. women all weight and sizes. And there was also a TV show where they took someone around and, and lined up, let's say, I don't know, 10 women of different sizes and said to that person, where do you see yourself in the different shapes and sizes of women? And that person would have to go and stand where they think they were, how they saw themselves compared to the women in front of them. And every single time they were morphed within their own vision of how they see themselves, like they would see them, every single woman, I don't care what size she was, saw herself bigger than what she actually was in compared to other women, which I thought was so interesting that we never really see ourselves for our true size. Um, Many years ago, I also worked with women who have eating disorders, teaching them how to connect to their bodies in a positive way. And even there, I realized that one of the biggest lessons I learned was that we're all on the edge in some respects of an eating disorder because the line between having one and not having one is so thin that it's 
insane and that we at any point in time could kind of cross over into that line because we have so many unhealthy eating habits as it is and so many un unhealthy emotional connections to food that we're not even aware of when we're eating of what we're eating or how we're eating and so it's it's interesting as you and I have had these conversations too around weight and then looking at social media and and seeing you know, like I like you, I'm all about body positivity and acceptance of body. And I think that women, no matter what size, what age or what background, we all struggle with that. But I think we, in, in the struggle of that, we have also learned almost to take it to such an extreme where, you know, you're, we're either too thin in so many ways because we're not eating, we're starving ourselves. And, but it also in many ways, we're way too heavy at this point. Like there's, like you said, that there's no way being that healthy, yes, love yourself and accept yourself, but also be honest with yourself and honor the fact that just because you love yourself the way you are, doesn't mean you're that you're your healthiest, best self at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And also I think, um, I don't want to, uh, cause I'm not a man hater. I really am not. I love all people, but I also want to, I want to point out that relationships have a big part of that as well. And I think um, society, and I also think men and women, you know, whatever kind of relationship you're in, I think that your partner, you need to surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up and not enable the behavior, number one, but not oh, tear okay. you down yeah. all the time yeah. either. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's hard because as a, as a, as a woman who goes out with men, I think that a lot of men uh, especially in my age range, they, they want this like certain type of woman. And I think living out in this part of the country is a little challenging, but you know, I'm, I'm trying to navigate. And I, I also have to let my judgment down too, because I can't think that all men think like that because they don't. Right. And so I'm judging them the way that I think they're judging me, which is just as bad. Right. I will say I've had relationships um, with men that are really loving the way I am physically. But one of the challenges that I found is like, next thing I know, I was in that relationship and I put on 20 pounds <laughs> because right. the person loved me. So, you know, first of all, they may, like you said, may not have had the same eating habits as me. And so then my eating habits changed to conform more to where they were. You know, you make those, you know, certain allowances with the people that you're with, right? You start to condition yourself around the people who you're with. And so my eating habits would change. And then I'm eating, you know, late night and we're eating things I don't normally eat. Next thing I know, I put on 20 pounds and the relationship is over. And I'm like, the man loved me the way I was, but I stopped really paying attention to myself and what was healthy and good for me, regardless. Instead of just saying, thank you so much for loving me for the way I am. I really appreciate it. However, this is not a healthy state for me. So I think that we can go on and on about that kind of thing in relationships. But I, I, I'm saying all that to say is I completely hear what you're saying. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I see it all the time. I see it in my own relationships. I see it in my friends' relationships. It's it's just, you know, I think, and I think, you know, you get love struck and you don't, you forget about yourself because as women, we're nurturers. We want to, especially the kind of people that you and I are, we want to like love people. And like, we really love, we really love people and we want to be around that positivity, but yeah, we forget about ourselves. So that's not always good too. So I, nope. I might, you know, I would tell people just don't forget about yourself. You are the number one. You are the most important thing because if like you're not healthy and you're not loving yourself, how could you expect to bring anybody into that like bubble? 
Oh, absolutely. And I would say that's been a great lesson in my life is like, how can I just really own who I am authentically, completely, and just be me no matter what, and, you know, not compromise myself. Um, I think there's always a bit of compromise, but you have to really be able to pay attention to how much are you compromising to be with others, right? So, yeah. Well, this, yeah, has been a, this has been a really fantastic conversation. Is there anything else that you would want to tell somebody who is in your position right now that maybe that can help them? I'd say the only, you know, advice and take it with a grain of salt is just to keep on moving. Like every day is a new day. So even if you failed or if you feel like you failed that day, the next day is a new day. So just you know, don't think about it. And I would also write, I, I would also write things down. You know, a journal is very soothing for me. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I do a lot of uh, self-reflecting, but writing stuff down, writing the things that make you feel good and feel bad is very helpful for me. I did an exercise that it was all the words that you tell yourself that you don't like about yourself and then saying them out loud. It's very powerful. And then using the adverse word, the positive word to the negative one that you're writing down. Right. And so if you say, you know, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm this. And then you, you know, you would say, I'm working on it. I'm positive. I'm loving. And I think those things help. I think aspirations and self-reflection and just telling yourself that it's going to be okay. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I mean, it's hard work. Like you have to work hard. I'm not going to say think things like this come easy, but you can do it. I mean, if I could lose 60 pounds, I think anybody can. So that's just my advice. Yeah. It's so great. I've been um, reading some Buddhist books lately. We have a lot of suffering, but when you give name to the suffering, such as what you were saying, the negative things that you feel about yourself, you actually then can own it. And it actually begins to release a lot of its power over you when you do that versus spending a lot of time ignoring the bad things we feel and pushing them to a side. Then only then can, when you do that, you can then look at it from begin to heal it own it, heal it, and then transform it into something positive. So that goes back to what you were just saying about journaling it. Yeah. You've said it best. You know, you have to grieve. Yeah. I think you have to grieve your old life and grieve and go through the process and feel the pain and you can release it once you feel it, but you have to feel it. You have to go through it. How did you, did you do any ritual around that? Or how did you actually do that and allow yourself to do that without, because I think a lot of people think if I allow myself to feel that I'm going to fall through a rabbit hole of darkness and not be able to pull myself back. What would you say to that? You might fall down a rabbit hole, but, and, and that's a reality, but I just write things down and I, you know, I talk about it with really great people. I am very grateful to have you and my I have a really good friend in Florida and we talk about these things and I just say them out loud and I listen to some podcasts that have really helped me and uh, yeah that's just what I do I just say them out loud I don't I don't have any like specific ritual things but if there's if anybody has any please let me know <laughs> I would love it do you, can you share some of those podcasts or other resources that you've used with everyone 
Yeah. So um, I can send you a link for sure. But I listen to a lot of Brene Brown. I really like her. Oh, I love but Brene I- Brown. She's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I've read like three of her books, but I don't listen to every one of her because there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I listen to one specific. There was actually one specific to our conversation today and you know they were talking about weight. And I also listened to, there's another one by, uh, her name is Tiffany Reese. Um, this is more of like a true crime podcast, but I got to be honest with you. Um, she talks a lot about life things and things that have happened and how to be more, be more self-aware. So I, I like that one. It's called something was wrong. And then I also listen to Rachel Hollis. I really like her too. A lot of people don't love her, but I like her. Uh, some people think she's a little preachy, but you know, she's just, she's just a human. She's just a woman who went through a lot of stuff and she's just trying to find her way to the other side. And I can totally respect that. That's awesome. What about the weight coach? Was it? Oh yeah. Her name is Natalie Jill. Mm -hmm. Her podcast is called leveling up Mm -hmm. and you know, she has a lot of programs, which I'm doing another one of her programs, I believe in the springtime. They are a little expensive. I want to forewarn people, but you know, she does have some seven day, 20, you know, 30 day things that you could do for a reasonable amount of money, but she really teaches you how to eat. She gives you all of the recipes, her own recipes. She talks about her own journey. And I I really think she's very inspiring. Yeah. I would say that to reframe that, not thinking of the things as expenses, as much as it's an investment in your health and in your future. So you have to be willing to make some sort of investment somewhere, whether it's emotional investment, mental investment, or spiritual investment, or even monetary investment. Yes, also, and you're not spending the money on fast food. So I think that you get to save. So the money you would put into (laughs) that, you can reallocate it to something else. Yes. Yes. And for people that live in a community that maybe it's, it's a little bit more difficult to find healthy options. I'd say to those people, there are some delivery services, a few, maybe one or two that have really healthy options. And I'm talking about non-processed real food that they'll deliver to you. So those are options as well. If you can't get to like a, a grocery store, that's within a reasonable, you know, if, if you need something that's delivered to you. Yeah. And there are food co-ops online now that can also um, help deliver more local fruits and vegetables. And let's face it, sometimes we need to step outside of a box and learn how to cook, really, really cook, <laughs> not hot dogs and hamburgers, but how I've had people that didn't know so many different types of vegetables because they didn't never had them before. So it's like, there's so many videos and things online now all over social media, all over YouTube, even on TikTok, where they teach you how to make and cook a vegetable that you've never seen before. So, you know, be willing to venture out and try something new and different. Yeah. I mean, I gotta be honest, Martha Stewart. I, I really like her. She got, I got a couple of her cookbooks and she's got some healthy options. She uses, she uses very minimal ingredients. Um, and you know, you could alter any recipe, like sugar is not an ingredient that is going to, uh, change the way your recipe comes out. Right. It's just for taste. So you can alter stuff. You can, you know, you can use different stuff and it'll be fine. And, and I, I also like Gordon Ramsay. He has a lot of cool things too. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of, I like YouTube. They always have cool cooking videos. Yeah. But people have to learn how to cook. That's a basic thing. It's a basic skill. 
Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jen, for this time with me. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming on and being so authentic and so gracious and being willing to be vulnerable and share your story. I really so appreciate you doing that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me and thank you for always supporting me and thank you for being my friend and being my life. I truly appreciate you and I love you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you so much. Well, that is the end of another fantastic story. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope that you felt inspired to take a step towards healthier living. What we put into our bodies affects our health and our mental and emotional state. Whatever you do, try not to judge yourself and just focus on what do you need to do to begin to feel good every day. If you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, please do share it. And until next time, I'm your host, Donnie O, and this is Move Through and With Heart.